Well, good morning. Welcome. It's good to see your faces. It's good to spend this time together with you, singing God's praise and to praying together and fellowshiping together. We have the joy and privilege of doing that week in, week out. It's the most unique thing to our week, and God has given it to us as a gift to encourage us, to grace us, to strengthen us. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up your Bible to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. We are in a series this summer uh, on the friendship of friendship with God. Friendship with God. Last week we talked about the loving Father. And this week we're going to talk about our response to the loving Father. And that's loving the Father. And so we're going to look at that uh, out of 1 John uh, chapter 5. So if you have your Bible there, the words should be on the screen. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. Let's hear God's word. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Let's pray. God, as we come to your word, we pray that it would find a home in our hearts. We certainly ask that you would bring comfort and conviction where needed, that you would help us to see you know, your words are words of life, and that it would bring life to ours. God, would you be with the preaching of your word, the hearing, the receiving, the believing, the trusting of this, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Love is not earned by love, but love is returned with love. Those two statements have an enormous distance between them in terms of meaning and what that looks like in the way that we live and why we live the way that we live. One statement, love is not earned by love, or its implication of that love being earned by love, that statement leads to endless anxiety, endless chasing, endless insecurity, We are haunted with the question, have I loved enough? The other statement will, that is, love is returned with love, will thrive and flourish with restful delight. The the security of being loved will bring about transformation in how one loves in return. So as we consider how the love of the Father stands at the center of our friendship with God, we will now turn our attention to loving the Father in return. And to love the Father in return, I hope that we experience it in this way, or at least see it in this way, loving the Father is experienced in who we love, in how we live, And in what we believe. The response of love to the Father is experienced in who we love, how we live, and what we believe. Let's consider those things together this morning. First of all, who we love. Now, it's kind of straightforward. Well, we we love God. So who who do we love? We love the Father. We love God. What does it mean then to love the Father? Well, I want to take a moment to just talk about that. And then, and then see how the rest of the, the passage shapes 
the, the who we love and the how we live. But first of all, we, we can't skip over this because we sometimes have a tendency to do this. What does it mean to love the Father? Well, first of all, we love with affection. We love with our affection. Our love involves a feeling for God. Our love involves a feeling for God. Now, we don't base our relationship, our friendship with God on our feelings. Our feelings can be all over the place. Just this past week, the student ministry, they were off at a at a fun adventure park, you know, with the go-karts and the batting cages and the mini golf. And they had this thing there called bumper boats. Some of you probably don't know what a bumper boat is or have never been in one. Well, a bumper boat is this thing that floats in the water that sort of moves around and you shoot other people with water. And that bumper boat's kind of like our feelings. You, you don't move very far, very fast, but you sometimes are spinning around in circles. Maybe your feelings are like that. It's hard to change your feelings, and oftentimes your feelings going nowhere, just spinning in circles, and then other people are getting you soaked. So it's hard to bring in feelings when we think about God, because our feelings can be all over the place. So I do want to say that loving God is with affection, that our love is to God involves a feeling for God, but we don't base our friendship with God on our feelings. And conversely, we don't want to view a relationship with God without feelings. We're not created for that or redeemed to that. So feelings with affection. So loving the Father in return is going to have our affection. It will also be with delight. Our love involves delighting in God and His love for us. Whenever you experience something awesome or great, whether it's a family vacation or an incredible meal or some sort of a book that's you know, really encouraged you or uh, engaged your mind and, and your creativity or whatever it is, you delight in it and you delight to share it, to share that experience or whatever it might be with others. The overflow of such an experience is delight. And so if we are experiencing the greatest thing that anyone could ever experience, the love of God, that the overflow and response back to God would be that of delight. And so loving the Father in return is with affection and it is with delight. And then also loving the Father in return is restful. It's restful. Our love is settled in that our very relationship, our very friendship with God has been established by God, not by us. Established by God. That means we don't go chasing God's love. We don't go chasing God's affection. We don't go chasing God's nearness and security. Rather, we rest in it. And by resting in it, we are loving God in return. We're saying that all He is and all that He has for us is enough. It is sufficient. And we rest in that. So, loving the Father and friendship with God, we, we do so with affection, with delight, and in rest. That's 
one of the who we love. The other who we love that we see in our passage is we love God's people. Part of our loving God is loving God's people. Another way to put it is to love God is to begin loving what God loves. And guess what? God loves His people. The mess that is His people, God loves them. Therefore, if we love God, we want to love what He loves. We want to love what He loves. Look again at verse 1 of 1 John chapter 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of God. You see the progression. To believe in Jesus means you are born of God. And to love the Father means you will then love His people. God makes you alive. You believe in Jesus. You love the Father. And now you grow at loving His people. Well, how do we go about loving God's people? Well, we love one another by being committed together to worship God together. What we're doing right now. Gathering together, things, the, the week-in, week-out reality of gathering with God's people to sing of God's praise, to bring our prayers before Him, to hear His Word preached, to enjoy the fellowship that we have together, the regular, intentional, corporate presence together as we declare and delight in God is part of our loving God in return. We love God's people by being committed together to worship God, to say God is worthy and God is worth it. So our regular, intentional, corporate presence together is the context by which we get to love one another and in so love God. We also get to love one another or or we love one another by being committed together in community, sharing our lives together. Going beyond just the, the way that we spend time together on a Sunday morning, that for some of us, we, we get to know others here a little bit more, a little closer, a little more life-to-life sort of way. And so sharing our lives together, encouraging our faith and following Jesus, exhorting and equipping each other to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, all of that that takes shape over the course of our lives, as we are committed together, is our response to the love of God in our lives, is saying, God, you are worthy and worth it. I want to love you, and I want to love what you love, and you love the people of God, and so I'm going to be committed to that in community. So it's the regular, intentional corporate presence together for worship. It's the the sharing of our lives together as we grow And then we love one another by being committed together on mission. That is, working together to help others come to hear the gospel and to believe in Jesus. To serve in such a way that others might hear and know the saving love of God through the saving work of His Son, Jesus Christ. It's exciting to hear that we have plenty of of volunteers for our VBS this week. And for some, some of the kids that are going to be there, and maybe even for their families, that's going to be a significant spiritual marker in their lives. They came to hear, maybe for the first time, the gospel, and that seed is planted in their hearts, and it, 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 and it grows and bears fruit at some point, whether this week or some point in their lives. God is at work, and we get to be a part of that together. So serving in all of the ways that one can serve for, during VBS. It's helping us be on mission together. It's loving God, 
and loving the things that God loves, thereby loving his people and being on mission together. So we love one another by being committed together in worship and in community and on mission. And we do all of those things with humility. How do we love what God loves? Well, we do it with humility. I love what Philippians 2.4 says. Philippians 2.4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That we look to the interests of others before we look to our interests. That we don't come and gather together in a church to consume, but rather we come to gather in a church to share. To share in, to share with. There's a big difference between consuming and sharing. There's a life-giving component that comes with sharing. Consuming does not produce the very things that we desire from it. And so we do so with humility. So we want to love God in return. And we, we do that with affection and delight and we rest in Him. And we love what God loves and God loves His people. He saved them. He calls them his own. And we can do that in worship and community and mission, and we do it with humility. So that's one way to respond to the love of the Father, is to understand who we are to love. But we also need to grow at understanding how we are to live. How we are to live. And part of our response to the love of the Father is that we grow at following God's ways. The overflow of the Father's love for us is our love for the Father. And this love for the Father is evident in our growing obedience to His ways for our lives. Now, we said a word there that requires some nuance. The word obedience. That might be a triggering word for a variety of reasons. Maybe we grew up in a context that based our entire relationship with God on our level of obedience the manner in which we've lived. Maybe that idea of obedience is so foreign to us, we find it offensive in every way. Obedience requires nuance because in some ways, our brains have a default programming that wants to think of obedience as earning God's love rather than a response to being loved. Let's carefully consider that. Look again at 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Three things I want to say here. First of all, is following God's ways is our loving response to God's love. Following God's ways is our loving response to God's love. Not earning response, but loving response. As God has done all that was needed for our salvation, for our redemption with him, saving us from our sin and saving us to his, this relationship, to this friendship with him, God's ways are to become our ways. If God has rescued us out of something and also rescued us into something, we are going to be spending the rest of our life learning this new something. We once lived in this old something, where at the center of the old something was sin and self. We sinfully lived for self. But God rescued us from the penalty and the power 
of that sin over us. And he's rescued us into something new. Rather than being described as sin and self, this something new is described as grace and God. We have a new center point in our life. It is the gracious, loving God who has rescued us out of our sin and into a friendship with God. So the rest of our lives are spent learning this new something, this new way that is based on the grace of God and is going Godward in its content and character. So following God's ways is our loving response to God's love. As I've noted through our series this summer, following sort of a track that is found in a book called Friendship with God, written by Mike McKinley. And along the way, there have been some notable quotes that I've shared with you, and I have a few for us this morning. First, first up is this. When we return the Father's love with loving obedience, we are living out our friendship with God. We're living out our friendship with God. So we, we grow at being familiar with God's ways. We grow at relying on the grace of God to live according to those ways. And all of that is our response, our loving the Father in return. So we follow, following God's ways is our loving response to God's love. Secondly, following God's ways is actually for our good. Following God's ways is for our good. We often think of obedience merely as duty rather than something to delight in. I mean, very woodenly and in one sense, following God is the duty of our friendship. But more than that, it is the delight of our friendship with God because God's ways are for our good. So think with me carefully here. Think of the character and nature of God. There are many ways that we can describe that, but God is always good. He's never not good. And so whatever God's ways are, they're going to be an extension, a reflection, an overflow of his nature and of his character. So if God is always good, then his ways for our lives will always be good. They'll never not be good. Because then they would be a contradiction to his nature and his character. And so as we better learn on who God is, what he is like, his ways for our lives will always be good. In Friendship with God, McKinley says this, When you see God's commandments, the good pleasure of your loving Heavenly Father, rather than a series of harsh restrictions on your joy, it makes obedience a delight. God has for us good in his ways. And there, wouldn't, there won't be anything greater in this life than the good ways that God has for us. And so our loving response is to live following God's ways, knowing that it is for our good. And then, most incredibly, that it says here in 1 John 5 is, Following God's ways is not a burden. It is not a burden. When we see following God's ways as good for us, our following is part of our loving Him. 
and our following God and his ways aren't trying to drag around a bunch of weights on our back. But rather, following God's ways are more like directions that propel us further into knowing who he is and the depth and magnitude of his love for us in Christ and why it's so good for us in the way that we live. Rather than weights to be dragged, his ways are directions that propel. McKinley in Friendship with God says, Instead, I am motivated by the knowledge that the Father loves me, that he only commands what is good for me, and that it pleases him when I follow his instructions. He only has good, and his ways are always good, and following in those ways will not be a burden. It doesn't mean it will be easy. And the hard part isn't because of the nature and character of God's ways. The hard part is because we have stupid, stubborn hearts. <laughs> we want to go our own way and oftentimes want to hive in God when it's convenient or necessary for us. When God's ways are always going to be for our good, and they will never be a burden. Because they're not a burden, because they're not the reason why we have this friendship. We have this friendship with God because he first loved us. And we live in light of the love of God, and the saving work of the Son, and the empowering presence of the Spirit. So, our loving response to the Father's love is in who we love, how we live, and then thirdly, we see here in our passage in what we believe. Our passage is booked in, bookend excuse me, with what we believe. We believe Jesus. We believe Jesus. Faith is the central hub to our loving God in return. And as we keep believing rightly about who God is and what God has done and what that makes us and how that shapes us, we, we grow at grasping the scope and the magnitude of God's love for us through the saving work of Jesus Christ. That makes loving God in response multi-layered. We, we love with our affection and delight. We love by loving His people. We love by following His ways. And guess what? We love God in return by believing Jesus is enough. By believing that Jesus is sufficient for our life and salvation. And we face all kinds of competitions uh, for our affections, for our delight, for our very lives in the world in which we live. And in verses 4 and 5 of 1 John chapter 5, we see that get addressed. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? The world in you and I we live in is filled with all kinds of distractions. It is filled with all sorts of discouragements. There are all kinds of landmines set up to derail us from loving the Father in return to His love, in return of His love to us. And how we navigate through such a world is by encouraging each other, individually together, that Jesus is enough, that Jesus is sufficient, that faith in Jesus overcomes this world, overcomes a number of things in this world. First of all, 
keeping believing Jesus and his person and his work helps us overcome lies. The kind of lies that want to drag us. They're, they're sort of trolling us through our lives. The kind of lives that say, God does not love you. The kind of lives that says, you're not worthy of loving. The kind of lies that says, you've done too many terrible things for a God so good and holy to love you. But then we keep looking to Christ and the cross and his resurrection to remind and to rehearse to our hearts the scope and the magnitude of God's love and how that truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus, counters the kind of lies that want to sink us down into shame. So each time that lie wants to sort of choke you out from following you remind and you, you preach to yourself the magnitude and the scope of the gospel. The person work of Jesus Christ. The loving plan of the Father. The redeeming work of the Son. And the ongoing work of the Spirit in your life. God is not bailing on you. The gospel says he has much bigger things than what the world can throw at us. So it overcomes those kinds of lies. By believing Jesus and our, as a means by which we can keep loving uh, the Father, it helps us to overcome not only lies, but opposition. In the world we live in, we're going to experience, to varying kinds of degrees, rejection and ridicule by others. Maybe friends or coworkers or neighbors or, or strangers or, or even family. And so we, we go back and we remind and rehearse to ourselves who we are in Christ because of his saving work. And while we might be ignored and marginalized in our lives, we have the wonderful opportunity to make much of who God is and how we will live. As you read those letters in the New Testament toward the end, you'll find constant encouragement and direction on how to live in a world that is definitely not on board with the Christian faith. And so many times, it's just live joyfully, the overflow of being in Christ. And I'll give you opportunity to share with others why you have hope. So, faith in Jesus helps us overcome the world, overcome lies, overcome opposition, and it helps us overcome distractions. We're easily distracted. I love what McKinley, the question he asks in his book, um, Friendship with God, why is it that we find ourselves so easily excited about things that will bring us joy only for a moment, but we sometimes find ourselves relatively unmoved by our relationship with God the Father? I think some of that is the immediacy of the things that we find around us in this life. The ease by which we can grab them like a teenager standing in front of an open fridge. That might be a little too close to home here, but... And yet, we have this eternal love of the Father and this forever joy that we get to experience. The role of believing helps us be reacquainted with the Father who loves us and reinvigorates our love for Him. 
The role of believing plays such a crucial role to our living and our loving. We cannot divorce them. And as we look to Jesus, and as we take in deeply the magnitude of God's love for us through Jesus, and as we see that life in Jesus brings about transformation, we find ourselves wanting to live a different way. We said earlier, we're saved out of something, but we're also saved into something. And that saved into something, Jesus summarized for us beautifully. Mark chapter 12. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Our loving response to the love of the Father is to love him, to love his people, to follow his ways, and to keep believing Jesus. Loving the Father will never earn the love of the Father. And this is not bad news. This is actually wonderfully good news. Because it directs us to the good news of the Father's love for us through the Son sent to save. Loving the Father is our returning to the Father what we have received. It shows up in who we love. It shows up in how we live. And it keeps fueling what we believe. So, friends, let us love with all our heart, with all our mind, all our souls, and all our strengths. For God alone is worthy. God alone is worth it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that we have been created and redeemed to love you in response. Your, Your basis of friendship with us isn't because we love you. It's because you love us. And I pray that that would fill us with deepening affection that our hearts would be filled with delight and joy that we would spiritually speaking feel rested in you free to love you in response following your ways help us to be a people who encourage each other in that help us to see the good that you have for us in it and may it strengthen our faith in christ all the more we pray in christ's name amen